Welcome to the Grow Through International Expansion podcast. I'm Oliver Dowson. Let me be your guide as to how businesses, all kinds of businesses, small and large, can grow, solve their business problems, increase their profits, and grow their value. In these podcasts, we talk to all sorts of interesting people that bring their skills, experience, and insights to all aspects of international expansion. I hope you like these podcasts. If you do, subscribe and keep listening every week. We love comments too. And do share and tell others and check out our resources on our growinternational.org website. Today, we're going to be talking about trade associations. There are trade associations for all sorts of business sectors. And basically, they're membership groups of companies that work in a similar business sector. I suppose that most of us who aren't and have never been members think of them as networking forums and lobbyists, but they also bring a lot of other benefits to their members. Those members may be competitors of each other. They might offer complementary services or products or just simply draw talent from a common pool of professionals. Lobbying and influencing is, of course, a key role. At any time, the ability to influence legislation that affects the industry is important. And by combining the resources of members, an association can sway governmental and public opinion in its favour much better than any individual company could. From an international business perspective, that's critical at this moment in time with all of the negotiation of trade deals just starting here in the UK. But it's true for business associations anywhere in the world. A key element of international trade is the need to meet agreed standards through registration, regulation and certification. Trade associations are typically the ones that these certifications create and manage. Furthermore, they then usually arrange training courses, seminars, workshops, so that the members' employees can attain the necessary qualifications. Trade associations also enhance and facilitate international trade through practical support for exporting their members' products and services. So if you're planning international business, or arguably even if you're not, there's a lot of potential value in joining the trade association for your industry. In today's podcast, I'm talking with Carolina Perret. She's the international manager for British Water, which is the trade association for the UK water industry. Carolina is responsible for British Water's global programme through the International Forum. With an international background in the aquatics and environmental industry, Carolina brings in-depth knowledge of water and wastewater-related issues. Her education is complemented by an MSc in engineering, a passion for sustainability, and very broad experience in both the private and government sectors. Carolina leads the British Water International Portfolio, seeking out global markets and opportunities for the water and wastewater supply chain companies to help them export. That includes organising events, scoping and running business development visits, liaising with multinationals, working with world governments and representing the UK water industry in Great Britain and all over the world. British Water's aim is to align with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals in the interest of helping develop and promote drinking water and safe sanitation for all the developing regions of the world. In just a few weeks, she'll be leading a UK delegation to Saudi Arabia for a week of intensive business development meetings. Today, though, she's talking with me 
uh, about her role and the value that British Water brings to its members and to the UK as a whole through their exports. Here's my conversation with Carolina Perrett. Carolina, great to meet you. Thank you for joining me today on the Growth Through International Expansion podcast. You as well, Oliver. Thank you for having me uh, be here to record and be able to speak with you. You are the International Manager of British Water. Have I got that right? That is correct. It's a, what is British Water? Well, we are a trade association um, here in the UK and um, we offer a number of services. We have a membership base um, and the, the idea behind British Water is we help UK companies and organizations grow their business in the UK and overseas. And unlike other trade associations in the UK, we are the only organization that offers an exporting platform or an international form, as we call it. And that's what I am in charge of. Okay, that's great. So tell me about the sort of members you have, because I assume they're not companies that supply water as on, such. On the contrary, uh, we also have water. They call them water utility companies. We, in fact, do have water utility companies in our okay. membership. But we have companies all along the supply community. Um, usually in the industry, people say supply chain, but actually we've recently decided to reword it to the supply community because it involves other organizations that sort of provide secondary support. So things that people wouldn't really consider, you know, so for instance, consulting companies, legal companies, um, contractors, um, etc. Okay. Um, and also presumably companies that provide like infrastructure or equipment or materials related to water. Precisely. So we have any any organization from a one-man army where you know they have some kind of a technology uh, or a brilliant um, hardware or software or something you know that promotes digital uh, twins um, to valves and piping systems and biotreatment and and wastewater treatment and energy um, treatment technology and, and so on and so forth. So it's really very widespread and broad and it um, encompasses any and all uh, organizations having anything related to water and wastewater. I know that's kind of hard to uh, sort of explain it, not, not, not ideally, but... Well, I, I, I guess it's, um, it, it's not obvious to a lot of our audience because, you know, you said it's a sort of... It, it's like any utility, you know, you, you, it comes, you know, in this case, literally through the tap and you sort of assume it gets there without sort of, it, it just comes sort of straight out of the sky or the river or wherever it comes from and it's out of the tap. But of course, there's an awful lot that goes in between the two, right? That is exactly right. Uh, most people do assume that they turn their taps on and, oh, lo and behold, fresh, clean water for them to drink. But in fact, the processing and the treatment of that water to, to get to that level of quality and, and clarity and, and purification for human consumption, it's incredibly, incredibly labor and time intensive as well. Mm. Um, and that's, that's one of the issues, I think, in the water industry is that it's, it's, in, it's an invisible resource. You know, all the pipes are underground, all the treatment works are out of visual range. So people don't quite realize the the level of effort that goes into water and and its and its its you know provisions. It really is something that we tend to take for granted, at least in this country. Certainly, and I think the UK isn't alone in that. Um, hmm. Now with the climate crisis and and the just general 
shortage or flooding of water you know you because you have you have places on earth that are now experiencing drought but then you have other places that have flood and issues and things like that so there's very much a mental shift that's kind of occurring um, wherein people are now actually drawing drawing attention to mm. water and water treatment and and it's it's supply and it's so critical I mean, they, it's not something that people normally think about certainly I haven't normally thought about it but a couple of weeks ago I was in the Cape Verde Islands and really came home without having met you or thinking about water um, when you're in a country where it's actually not rained for nearly three years and in a good year it only rains on 10 days and there's less rain in the whole year in an average year than in the month of June which is the driest month in the UK um, then the fact that water comes out of the tap at all is really almost a miracle. Indeed and chances are they're probably extracting from groundwater aquifers and some kind of you know secondary surface water how, how are they it's getting that? that and desalination all right. I think um, right. all sorts of things I think both of those from what I could gather from asking the question. Now, British Water mm. uh, and, and all these members, are British companies particularly good at this? They they are. They are. Um, in fact, in many, in many other nations and across the globe, the UK companies are seen as sort of the go-to or the experts in terms mm. of a lot of water treatment. If you think about London and its, and its infrastructure, it was one of the first cities, I think, um, in the world which had um, more advanced or sophisticated underground piping systems. Of course, now those, those, those assets, as they call them, the pipes, um, are being are more outdated mm-hmm. because of you know the inaccessibility. Now there's an entire city built on top of it. So so despite having expertise and great value to add globally, which they do, you know, um, the UK also has its fair share of issues to contend with, and that's aging infrastructure, as I'd mentioned. They have things like leakage um, and so on. So so essentially, we we on on the British water side of things, we. You know, we do things like we represent the industry. We want to be the leading voice for organizations. Um, we help facilitate conversation, promote collaboration amongst the utility companies and the supply community so that there is, you know, an open platform for discussion of how will we change the this infrastructure for the future, especially in light of increasing shortage of water and resources. Um, you know, now there's an, a nature emergency as well, which impacts water, essentially waterborne diseases and things like that. And, and just the growing population wherein our our global citizens require more and more there's a higher demand for water all the time but there's only a finite amount of water and so you need to improve the way that you're doing things so we we pride ourselves in being able to kind of facilitate that conversation and be the authority in 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 a sense so you're effectively um, what providing lobbying at governmental level and uh, um, providing communications to the water suppliers themselves. That's part of it, certainly. I we partner. I especially partner with the Department for International Trade on the exporting side of things. So there is definitely an open channel of communication with governments, uh, both in the UK and overseas. And also, um, we liaise with the likes of Ofwat and regulators and the 
Environment Agency. Okay. So we're kind of a both a government-facing but also a business-facing side. So sort of a hinge point, I would call it, a hinge mm-hmm. point for the industry to be able to, you know, uh, come to us to know what's going on and where, what is the current conversation, uh, what's the nature of the conversation, where is the future leading, and also just for strategy and advice, you know, and, and facilitating those um, those much-needed discussions. And what sorts of um, uh, methods do you use for communication? Well, that, I think, is, is represented by how we do business. Okay. And that is with... We offer a number of different platforms um, by promoting best practice in the water industry um, via technical forum. So mm-hmm. we have a technical manager. We have the international forum, so which I lead, of course, as, tech, uh, as the international manager. We have the UK forum, which is led by the UK director. Um, and each of those sort of represents the pieces of the puzzle, so to speak, which covers the majority of the water and wastewater industry. Do we also hold events? And um, we go to exhibitions, we go to conferences, we go to events, we have campaigns. So for instance, we, uh, over the last three years, I think we've been running a campaign called Women in Water. It supports just the increasing equality for gender opportunity and supporting women because the water industry is very, very male dominated. And so if we can create campaigns that promote women and, and just and just minority groups in general. You're talking about, you know, the, the leadership of the businesses involved here then. Precisely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, actually, yes and no. Um, of course, leadership is, is, is a part of it, but we also want to promote just women generally in the industry. That's fine. So, That's so any job from the, you know, the lowest echelons of valve tightening or anything like that in, in large water utility uh, asset infrastructure to management of teams to CEOs, for instance, our CEO, Lilla Thompson, is a woman, mm-hmm. and she is amazing and very disruptive to the industry. If I might, say, if I may add, Excellent. you're a woman too. <laughs> and agreed. In fact, most of our office is females, yeah. which is practically unheard of. Yeah. Now, the reason for my question originally was, but I suppose my mind was taking me to the fact that when it comes to the actual point of use um, of water in many countries, it's almost that uh, the provision of water services is a way in which um, women are actually seen to be um, repressed from the side. Maybe I'm not picking the right words for doing it, but, you know, just as if you go to Africa, you see women have to carry the water. It's, It's a responsibility to provide the water. It's almost like that. It, it, it goes on from all the other things in ways in which you know women are at the bottom of the chain in some ways. But it, it it's like a representation of it, and you see, and seeing women carrying water really brings it home. Absolutely, I think you really hit a, a central point there. Water is also pivotal to survival. Mm. You know, you can survive weeks without food, but really only a few days without water. Exactly. And, and so globally the movement towards 
educating girls and women um, and providing them with water. Those are the two elements really that, that lead to a successful nation ultimately. Uh, when you can give those those two platforms, one is an educational point and one is the point of clean, accessible water and sanitation. Mm. These women are often spending hours away from home, miles, miles and you know, large distances away from their, their, their huts or what have you to go uh, retrieve often highly polluted water and then carry it back. And I've seen it in Ethiopia yeah. and Uganda, particularly in Africa. Um, but I think in other countries as well, I don't recall right this minute. Um, so it's that, that was what was coming to mind. So anyway, yes. but I'm, I'm glad to hear that sort of women are sort of at the being pushed forward to the leadership of actual water companies and water businesses. Exactly. Um, and let's talk. Let's talk international. Sure. Because um, you're the international manager, and what do you do as an international manager for British Water? So my job is based largely on liaising with organizations like the Department for International Trade, um, other nation organizations, including governments as well. So, for instance, I'll uh, get get an email or a phone call from the you know an organization in Ethiopia or Egypt or the Middle East saying right we have we have a, a number of projects and a number of funding uh, streams and we'd like to develop our water infrastructure in either uh, drinkable potable water or wastewater and we'd like to bring a delegation over to visit us and and meet and discuss the opportunity for business development mm-hmm. so my upcoming visit uh, in march is to saudi arabia where there's a huge uh, investment to this water infrastructure and we are taking a large group of uk delegates there okay so this is like a mission it's like a mission yeah i think people have stopped calling it a mission because of the religious kind of connotation <laughs> well probably a good, <laughs> they haven't stopped they're still getting called that but it's, it's probably a yeah. very good that it does stop yeah yeah I, I personally don't call them missions. I call them business development visits, which is exactly what they are. Absolutely. And it provides... So, so there's two things happening. On the one hand, I'm offering and facilitating business development and strategic sort of points of contact between the UK and these organizations within these countries. So you're offering opportunities for the UK companies to develop their business overseas in Saudi but also you're providing really incredible technology and expertise and, and, and knowledge transfer for the organizations within these nations. So, for instance, in Saudi, we'll be attending something called the Saudi Water Forum, where anyone who is anyone will be at this conference. And so it's it's quite, quite good timing, I would say, that mm-hmm. you're bringing the delegation over because they'll be able to meet the ministries, the organizations, and, and all the individuals and the sort of executives that may Make the decisions regarding you know what technology they adopt and in Saudi they're having issues with drought and um, desal- desalination is is something that they have been doing historically but it's insofar it's been it's very energy intensive so they're looking for technology that's a bit more 
passive, you know, um, and yeah, they just, mm. they, they need great, they need better technology, they need more efficient systems, and with growing population, that's something that will create pressure and more demand. Yeah, absolutely, I and mean, uh, I mean, one tends to think of Saudi Arabia as one huge bit of desert with, uh, with a few very large cities on it, but uh, I know that they've been trying to catch up with the green in the desert and even developing uh, tourist resorts. Absolutely. Yeah. When I was in Oman last year for a conference, I was looking outside my hotel window and I saw this just this area of greenery and I asked um, some of our uh, team if I could go inspect and see what it was. And it was in fact a wetland that they had built. And it's quite a brilliant idea. But what they had done was they had taken treated wastewater. So essentially treated sewage where the solids and, and so on are mm. removed. But it's not fit for drinking. And I think at that time, they, they either over, had overcapacity or they just had extra this extra f- liquid. And what they did was they kind of dug a bit of a, a dune or a tunnel. Not mm-hmm. a tunnel. Like a, what do they call them? A pit. They dug a pit. And they put that water in and just let it hang out. And within a few months, that water had attracted birds and biodiversity and insects. And when you're attracting biodiversity, you're also attracting their mechanical dispersion of seeds. So, for for instance, bees will hold pollen and birds will have often seeds and things like attached Mm -hmm. to their feathers. And when the seeds are dropped and where there is water, there's life. So naturally, just just through the presence of water there, it began to grow in kind of, you know, plant material. Oh, lovely. How fascinating. And because there was plant material, they it created like a natural kind of a cooling air conditioner dome. Yes. And now it, it's it's that space is just thriving. Mm. And in fact, it's recharging aquifers naturally in that space. So just, just by creating a water body in a desert, and Oman is extremely hot, oh, you yes. have like this lush wetland. And they've noticed rare birds, rare animals. So essentially, I think a big a big push in the Middle East, and I think generally in hot places, and hopefully in the world, will be f- towards nature-based solutions and green green infrastructure is what you call that. Because where there's greenery, there's water, and where there's water, there's greenery. So the two really have to go hand in hand. Um, and I think with the climate emergency and the water emergency, that the pivotal point of that is a nature emergency. We really need to start reinstating nature again. That's how we will provide drinkable and you know drinkable and, and secure water resources. Yeah, that's great. So, what's uh, give me some examples of the sorts of companies that will be going with you on your visit and who are hoping to sell um, whatever it is they sell into Saudi? We have a company that provides a UV treatment system for potable water, okay. uh, which kills bacteria. So you mm-hmm. you have a, these lamps and bulbs that essentially penetrate the water surface. And because of the nature of the wavelength, the UV light picks apart the organic composition of bacteria mm-hmm. and it kills, kills any harmful bacteria in the water making it drinkable for instance we have um, other technologies that are uh, providing digital metering and things like that so that companies who have utility companies who have water assets are able to uh, install digital meters and be able to understand where the flow is um, not meeting their expectation or there's 
potential leakage or things like that. Digitization is really um, a big push right now uh, in this mm. industry. Um, let's see, what other company? We have another one that has an electromagnetic frequency application that does a similar sort of thing like the UV treatment, wherein it removes harmful compounds and chemicals and is able to electromagnetically change the bond structure of uh, chem the chemistry. And for instance, if you have um, harmful phosphorus or something bonded to water molecules, that electromagnetic frequency is able to rebond the uh, phosphorus and precipitate out, so create a solid out. So then you can mm -hmm. collect the solid, mm. just as an example. Fascinating. So it's yeah, a lot more than just pipes and pumps. Absolutely. It's 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 a fascinating industry, and it's uh, it's anything from the large areas of land management to the tiniest little molecules and things like that. That's great. And beyond Saudi, are you looking further afield as well? Yes, we have a conference planned in Singapore. Um, in fact, I was at a conference just this week at the World Water Tech Conference, one of the bigger ones uh, in London, and I was approached by the Egyptian delegation to discuss a business development visit to Egypt. Also was approached by a Mexican delegation, so we have a number of things on the horizon. Uh, I'll also be flying to Vietnam and to Oman this year again to do conferences, so there's a number of things happening in Pretty this global. space. Indeed. <laughs> That's great. Um, what else do you want to tell us about um, uh, British Water and the role of your role and what it is you're doing? I think I think the last thing that I can mention is that essentially water is everyone res everyone's responsibility. And when it comes to the conservation of resources, it's really a matter of being aware of your usage. Um, promoting the conservation of it, not using hot water when you don't need to, shortening showers, things like that. You know, just water conservation in a way um, would will make a big impact globally if everybody kind of takes it upon themselves to be a responsible player in, in the game. You know, for instance, in, in um, Cape Town, I think it was last year, mm -hmm. they literally had their day zero, day zero where they ran out, out of water and it was, it was an emergency. Absolutely. And I think you've got a really important mission there, particularly, as you say, with the climate emergency and the years I spent in energy management. Um, we worked with water as well, but people wouldn't really realize that by saving water, they were saving energy. That was when it was purely from the perspective of using less energy. Um, now we're looking at, you know, the overall climate emergency. It's not just the water you're conserving. It's also the resources to basically the electricity to pump it, the uh, resources to treat it and everything else that goes with it. So you've got a big and very, very important vital role, I would say, in the climate emergency. That, that is exactly right. And energy and water do go hand in hand because in order to treat the water and to pump it and to you know remove it and valves and, and all those mm. assets require energy. And in fact, there is now a large, a large topic and big conversation around uh, carbon neutral or or you know net zero or even net positive to be able to utilize the waste streams uh, use more passive systems of treatment etc so that is very much on the horizon and on the tip of the tongue of everyone's kind of conversation excellent well carolina wish you every success with your mission to saudi thank you um, and every success in general with um, expansion of 
British water operations around the world. Thank you very much. Last thing I'll mention is that actually World Water Day is on March 22nd, which happens to be my birthday as well. Happy birthday in advance. Thank you. So it's a good time to be thinking about water and and what we can all do together to help conserve. Absolutely. Well, this podcast will go out well in advance of March 22nd, so we'll make sure that people get reminded about that. Um, I'll post all the day, so that's a good thing. So, Carolina, thank you so much for talking with me today. Thank you, Oliver. I hope you enjoyed listening to this conversation and this podcast. I really welcome your comments and also suggestions for future conversations. We post new content every week, so please do click on the subscribe button and follow this, the Grow Through International Expansion podcast. You can also find the transcript, other articles and detailed resources relating to this episode on our website, growinternational.org. There, you can also join as a member for future updates and find all our other articles, videos and podcasts and benefit from other features, including free consultations and independent online advice. Again, that's www.growinternational.org. Until next time, this is Oliver Dowson wishing you success and reminding you that international expansion may be easier than you may think. Mm-hmm.